Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, Life in the Saddle. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Welcome to our special series, Tales from the Trail. A number of episodes that we've recorded as we're on the road around the western states for our winter clinic tour. We're sitting down with makers, craftsmen, tax store or western store owners, and ranchers as well, horsemen, to visit, to catch up, to hear their stories. And we thought it'd be interesting to share these as a special series on our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy. Well, guys, uh, Brad and Scott, I really appreciate your time sitting down here with me for a little bit to share your stories a little bit and, and what you guys do. Um, we're here in, in Billings, Montana at Buckaroo Businesses with Scott Groskopf and, and his good buddy Brad who manages some stuff for him. And um, I've actually worked with, with these guys for quite a few years. We used to import gear and, uh, and different working items into New Zealand uh, to try to fill the market there and, and help with our, our business down there and educating people. And these guys have been probably our number one source for good uh, quality, authentic working gear and some very nice stuff too that uh, we were able to bring there to New Zealand. So always appreciated working with these guys and the, and the working relationship we've had. So um, maybe Scott, if you'd like to tell us to start out with like, how, how did this all begin? It's been a long time ago now. How did you get into this? What was the story at the start? Thanks, Ben. Uh, it's been a long time ago. Uh, I, I guess it, it, it was a God thing because it happened back, uh, back when I was, my love for the gear also. I just had a, always a, a longing and a love for the gear. Uh, when I was a young man and seeing someone with a nice saddle or or even I, it, even down to a nice McCarty, you know, on a snaffle bit or a, or a Hackamore outfit or, yeah. or you know, a nice silver concho or some, someone that took pride in their gear and pride in their horsemanship and pride. Um, I always thought that was, that was what I longed for. And when I was around those cowboys at an early age and stuff, seeing that and and that, so that's the direction I kind of went. Was and you grew up here in Montana. Yep, yeah, I grew up here in Montana. I grew up, uh, I grew up, kind of bounced around the whole state. My both sets of grandparents, you know, farmed and ranched in Montana here, and grew up in agriculture. And my dad managed ranches and leased ranches, and and um, and so grew up, grew up in that limelight, that that sort of stuff, and then. Uh, um, you know, I, I had a chance to play college football, and and uh, and when I was done with that, I, I went and put my college education to work as a buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I, you know, I just I I just always wanted a cowboy, and and uh, uh, the business started taking shape when I moved to. I got a job at the ZX Ranch in Paisley, Oregon. I moved out there in, in 1995. And shortly thereafter, I, I was selling a lot of poly rope out there. It was kind of a, it was kind of a, uh, an area where they couldn't, they, they didn't have it and there wasn't places to buy it. Right. So I had a couple coils of rope, you know, 600 foot coils of rope when I went out there. And man, where did you get this stuff? So I just started, I started trading is what I started to do. Yeah. You know, I'd trade you this rope for that piece of gear or this or that or and then I started getting more coils and more coils and then and then turned into uh, turned into more stuff, you know. I I uh, I was buckaroon at Z X full time and then I got a job uh, at uh, working for the school district there as a uh, as basically dorm a parent. dorm parent Okay. for the dorm boys and I did that for a couple of years there and so I worked two jobs 24 hours a day there and uh, but that gave me time to really focus on and think about what I want to do with this pursuing 
other stuff. And a, right. and a guy that was kind of helped me uh, direct me in that direction was an old-time gear collector and uh, selling gear in the Great Basin. That's George Moore. And he talked to me about my love for the gear and kind of educated me on a lot of stuff right. and helped me with that end of it along with my horsemanship side of stuff. But George really helped me with the, um, you know, there's a lot of great cowboys that don't know much about the gear they've got. Right. Or what it's used for, how it's, you know, what what's the tradition of it, how it come about. Or the finer details. The finer of, details yeah, of absolutely. It. And so George helped me there and, and he, he kind of was the one... They said, yeah, you got to pursue this, you know. George always talked with a, he talked like this, you know. George would say, Scott, you know, you ought to just uh, uh, do pursue this trade and this gear. But one thing you got to understand, Scott, you always got to have a full wagon, never a half-empty wagon, always a full wagon. And I always remember that. When I set up at the NFR, we have a huge booth there. Yeah. I can hear George in my mind. He said, Scott, you got to have a full wagon. And if you don't have a full wagon, you might as well not show up. Yeah. And so that's what started Buckaroo Businesses. And wow. actually my my stepmom, Linda, actually coined the name Buckaroo Businesses because I was doing so many different things. Right, different avenues. Different avenues. Yeah. And she said, I said, I don't know, I need to name this thing. And actually in 1990, uh, about 1996, I, uh, I registered that name with the state of Oregon. Okay. And yeah. that's where Buckaroo Business has started. I didn't have a shop or anything yeah. at that time. I was just sure. trading some stuff, and I wanted to keep that name. Get a business. Get a business yeah. name going. Yeah. So wow. that's where that came from. And from there, I uh, just started, you know, I started selling ropes and bits. And I'd sell one. I'd have someone that braided something, and I braided myself. And then I'd sell ropes at a roping or have maybe have a Lon Davis. I traded a lot of bits with Lonnie Davis out yep. of... John Day, Oregon, and I'd sell one of his bits and buy a couple more back, and it just turned right. in. It, it just started to uh, grow, that, to grow way. that way. Yeah. And uh, yeah. in two thousand, in uh, in two thousand five, I moved back to Montana with my family and uh, uh, brought the business with us. Yeah. And in two thousand six, I opened up the location right where we're at now and, right. and expanded on that uh, where it's at today. Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, I met this best friend of mine, Brad Warnicke. Met him in uh, high school at Sam Russell High School in Great Falls, Montana. And uh, Brad, we cowboyed together, and we we lived together in college, and we just been best friends for a long time. And and Brad Brad was managing a car business in Great Falls. And how many years ago now, Brad, has it been that? Eight and a half. Eight and a half yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Started in 2014. Yeah. April 21st. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. April There's 20. the date man right there. <laughs> I so. remember pulling up that morning, and it was a Monday morning. I, for the first two years, two years I commuted back and forth oh, wow. from Great Falls. Because wow. my family was there, and we were letting my daughter finish high school. Sure. And then my, my wife taught there. I remember pulling up, and I parked out there on the street, and it kind of hit me. I go, oh, <laughs> you know, coming from where I knew everything, yeah, you know, in the business that I was running at that time, absolutely. And I'm like, whoo, you know, ex- excitement mm-hmm. of starting over because the stuff, you know, this is a is a world that I always loved, the absolutely. horse world, and and the you know one of the best times of my life was was cowboying and and doing that and so there's excitement and fear of, <laughs> yeah. you know now i don't know everything that's right um, but, I, I i know that feeling so you guys kind of met in high school so you know known each other a long time and uh, after you'd moved scott you'd moved the operation here to billings and you joined in 2014 we had started with you guys to work on getting gear from you in 2013. And so I remember when, when you first started, Brad, and we started um, basically connecting with you and, and working through you to, to do that. So that is, uh, that's a cool history. So 
how Scott, how did you continue to develop the contacts for the type of gear that you were looking for? Um, like I'm not trying to, you know, don't give away any of your trade secrets, but it's it's got to be a massive network now. And and when you started, you had rope. You started to do a few bits, you know, and 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 so and you were doing some braiding yourself, and then you, of course you've. How did that start to take place? Yeah, it's it, it's been it's been a, a quite the process, and and you know with with social media and everything nowadays, still the the networking, the core networking of just contacts and and maybe a, a phone call or a handshake is still. Yeah, how I've done business today, you know, yeah. and it's uh, it's long term lasting relationships, and then and then it's once you uh, you know by kind of marking marking it and saying this is what I'm going to do and this is where where we're going with this. A lot of times, those makers then sought me out, right? And so uh, it's and I, I there'd be times where. I'd lose a braider or something like that, or they just pass away. Sure. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just, you lose, you sure. lose a way to make a product. And, 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 uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, we, we have a, we have bits made in Mexico and I remember I, I needed some rain chains. And I remember one time, uh, a guy calls me from Mexico and he was a police officer in Mexico and he was so tired of the corruption and this and that. Wow. But he made rain chains, and he asked if he could make rain chains for me, and I couldn't say no. I right. was like, "How can I sell that many rain chains?" Yeah. But he he started making rain chains, and I had rain chains like coming out my ears, <laughs> out ear. and I was like, "But I couldn't not keep right. him employed." Yeah. So I appreciate everybody. I, that's one thing that's been the hardest for me is I can't say no to people once they, you know what I mean? Sure. And it's yeah. hard. Once you once you have those livelihoods in your care, yeah, I mean it's hard. It's a it's a tough thing, and that that's, is tough. that's something yeah. I never realized what was going to happen in this business. Sure. Didn't see that one coming. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, and how it pulls at your heartstrings, and 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 but you see it at Christmas time when everybody calls you. There's been times where you know Christmas Eve I'll get phone calls for two hours. Wow, people calling thanking and having their families talk to me and wow. this and that throughout the, you know, throughout the world actually because yeah. we have stuff made all over the world and yeah. and uh, and it's Man. fantastic but you know what I'm one thing I'm really proud of a bunker businesses is is uh, how many uh, you know kind of our tagline from the beginning has been keeping the traditions yeah and you know that's been we've kept that tradition by the makers that do this and some yeah. of them go back to the ancestors that brought it over here from Spain. I mean, it's just incredible. That is awesome. How many old, old, old core, um, you know, families that um, build stuff and things. So yeah. uh, uh, we've got, you know, we've got a lot of, not only, uh, I like, I personally like to collect older, you know, vintage stuff too. So yeah. some of that's mingled throughout the store here. Uh and then, and then contemporary makers too. Yeah. And, and I think one thing I think that, uh, uh, you know, the, as far as the traditions in Montana was a mixed bag of, of, of traditions. Of so course. we, we kind of had everything here. We, the first cattle came into Montana over in the Western part of the state from Oregon. And those were, those were based out of California. So those, right. those brought the buckaroos to Montana. Right. But then over here to the East, then we had the, the stuff coming up from Texas. So you yeah. had the, the double rig saddles and, the, and those Texas cow ponies coming up here versus, versus the single rig and the, and the Rietas and the spade bits coming from, um, from the West. And right. so, the melting pot was classic melting pot. Classic melting yeah. pot. It's yeah. just incredible, and it, there's still ranches today and counties today in Montana that that's a double rig county, man. There's there's not. <laughs> but I had a I had a I had a, a granddad, a rancher in Miles City, come over here. He come in my store one day, and this is about five six years ago. And he said, Scott. He says, I don't know if you've ruined it or made it better, but my ranch will never be the same since you opened this door. My grandkids are riding, swinging long ropes. And 
That's so I, I think it's really interesting how you wouldn't think that that a business or a, a trade like this would then change change the approach and, and the hunger for those. But guess what? It did for me. Yeah. So exactly. it, it did for me at a young age. And so then it's going it, to, it depends on what your likes are. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. you know, one thing I love about Buck Biz here and what we try to do is we, we try to cover it from the ranch to the arena, kind of like, you know, um, I know Jeremiah Watt, that's what they use on yeah. their ranch to the arena uh, stuff that they have. And, and uh, but that's, that's the truth. You want you want it to be able to functional outside and use Absolutely. the stuff, and then you want to be able to have somebody use a saddle or be prideful enough to where it's it can take, you know, a team roping or, or whatever they want to go do in the arena or show yeah, a horse exactly rain cow horse. We yeah. you know we've got a lot of guys using our stuff um, throughout all disciplines. Right. I I've always even taken it all the way to the burrow ditch. <laughs> you know, in yeah. like the Billings area, we get people and, and they'll come in and they're like, I never knew you guys were here. You know, and and my thing was, you know, even took it further is if what you enjoy, you know, because you'll see it around Billings, some gal or guy in there riding their horse down the burrow ditch because that's where yep, that's they're where able to do that's it. And, you know, and I've gone, I want that person to know about us to where... They can come in here, and they might not be fancy, but where they can just come find good quality yeah. leather-made stuff that's going to last. Yeah. That's the same price as the junk you might be able to get somewhere else. And and getting that spread out, you know, if you have a horse and you love it and you want to improve your horsemanship, yeah, that's what we are. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Just, I think it's important, too, <clears throat> and it's all part of the education of people. And their horses, uh, good gear. That's the way I felt about it when we were in New Zealand and we were trying to provide a bit of good gear for people. Um, obviously, the Western market down there is not anything like it is here. Uh, but the folks that came to my clinics, they weren't Western riders. A, f- a handful, you know, and there was a bit of raining and a bit of Western pleasure down there. But but uh, it doesn't matter, does it? If, if we're improving our riding and we're improving our horsemanship, at some point, we do need decent gear. And I always, uh, like you were saying about the tradition and, and taking pride in what we do, I tried to bring that to light, and not just in my gear and the way I rode my horses, but to help people realize that there's more to this than just enjoying riding a horse. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have the fanciest gear, and it's not about having just flashy stuff for the sake of it. But good gear can help aid in better communication and, and a better partnership. And it's not that you can't get it done with duct tape and baling wire, but let's be honest, you know, there's a whole lot better ways of doing things. And that's, so that's where I think it fits with the education of what we're trying to do. And also, I like what you're saying too, Scott, about the tradition, keeping the traditions and the craftsmanship, the way you talked about getting connected and supporting these craftsmen. Um, that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it. Because if, if we were to lose the skills and the crafts that go into making this gear, you know, and, and we have some, mm-hmm. you know, you think about the history four or five, six hundred years ago and the knowledge they had of the way of a spade bit is to balance in the horse's mouth and the conformation of the mouth and everything that they looked at where even, uh, even to the point where they would have bit makers come and look at your horse's mouth and then go make a bit for that horse. You know, we've, we've lost some of that through the centuries, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, I think it's hugely important that, that I love that mutually beneficial relationship that you have with your makers because um, that's, that's supporting each of you are supporting the other in keeping those traditions alive. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember, I, I, uh, I first met you guys at a clinic. I think it was at the, your dad's place, Richard Caldwell, um, in either nine or, or 10, oh, nine or 10, must have been, and uh, came up from Wyoming where we were on a ranch there. And uh, I, was, I was just blown away with what Richard was teaching and... and um, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your 
journey in horsemanship. You know, you, you grew up, uh, you know, around cowboys and ranching and riding and stuff. And then, of course, you buckaroed out at the ZX and stuff. What, was that, what did that sort of look like over the years? Because now um, you, you teach clinics, you've traveled the world. Uh, how did that sort of progress, Scott? Yeah, I, I, uh, I just been blessed, to be honest, uh, to be able to, I think it's God's timing sure. in being that I was around the people I was around when I was around them. Yeah. And uh, uh, I've just been, you know, with my family's background and stuff, and and uh, and my dad. I mean, my dad, my dad had horses and stuff, and you know, growing up, we we were horseback and moving cows and blizzards and the whole nine yards. But it wasn't always fun. There no. wasn't nothing fun about it. <laughs> and a lot of the not fun about it was actually getting on. It was actually getting mounted for the day because you really didn't know what was going to happen, and you you weren't you you probably didn't have the best horse or you know those kind of things and stuff and but uh, it it was you know I, I guess the hunger for once I saw that there was a better way or this or that then 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 I sought that out absolutely and what was interesting in in that journey then. Uh, my dad saw the difference too, and he he sought it out. Right, and so that's that cool. when you can change courses, you know, yeah, and about what you're doing, and and I mean, and from then on, he 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 really sought out stuff and really uh, took it took it to a new level in his horsemanship, and and uh, and then you know I I did too, and and uh, and you know I just didn't want to I I just you know. Cowboying for me wasn't just because uh, I'm not a full time cowboy. I mean, I, I was at one time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to me, it was I always I wanted to do it, and I it was for my horse, and I wanted to I wanted to get that I wanted to have that opportunity to to ride my horse and work my horse, and and that cowboying that job which I took serious and loved it, but that was that was part of being able to spend all that time with my horse. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. I mean, that's that was my hunger. That was my wish. That was my will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love being around that journey, you know. Absolutely. And to be able to, be able to then use that to, you know, uh, hone in my roping skills and uh, and all those things, that's, that's where I loved it. You know, I met, uh, uh, when I was, when Brad and I were at Montana State there, I was riding an outside horse, and it had some terrible problems. It, it, it someone eared it down and mm, right. tried to get it had ear mites, and they tried to um, they tried to get a bridle on it, and they had to ear it down, and they tied it down, and they did all this stuff. And this horse was this was horse was a man eating son of a gun. He didn't want to go near anybody, and wow. and and they brought it up to Bozeman, and I had it out at the college out there, and they had that nice MSU that round pen there and stuff and yeah I had it out there and I was I was lost to how I was going right. to help this horse and I'd heard about this guy Buck Branneman yeah and and a friend of mine knew a friend of his and this and that stuff so he was living at Gallatin Gateway and and contacted him and took that horse out there on a Saturday morning and he was nice enough to have me out to his place and that was a Saturday morning, and I remember that it was cold fall morning, and Buck had just gotten back from Southern California, his first clinic he ever did. Oh wow! And uh, I remember having a cup of coffee in his house after we got done, and we we worked with that horse for quite a while that morning. Buck roped it, and we we had a I had a bridle on it, and had I was on my knees bridling this horse. Wow! And we had that horse, and he I just kept working with that horse and stuff after that, but. But uh, after after spending that day with Buck, and then and then that just started my journey right there. Absolutely. I mean, I was just like, okay, this is where I want to go. Yeah. And this is what I want to know. And I just, and then from there, you know, I I was blessed to work with great hands, you know, and great friends, and uh, Shorty Robinson, Joe Fox, uh, great cowboys, some of the best around. You know, I, I 
was blessed to be able to meet and work with Joe Walter, who's a longtime friend, and Brian Newbert, and rope with those guys and work with them. And, yeah. And then, uh, you know, get to work alongside Cleve Anseth for all those years, and yeah. Jade Cooper, and and I can go on and on and on. But it's it's that, and then that relationship, and then, you know, being able to talk about that stuff and bounce ideas off those guys. and 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 each horse is different that's what i love about horse horsemanship it's horsenality it's it's like working with somebody it's like working with brad people ask brad and i all the time how can you guys your best friends how can you work together hmm. how can you work for scott brad and how can you have your best friend work for you scott and and it's a lot it's it is it's life and it's horsemanship yeah it's it's everything included. You got to be honest. Yeah. So if you're not honest with each other, it ain't gonna happen. That's mutual right. respect. A mutual respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And same that's thing. the same, same thing. Same thing. It's a mutual yeah. respect. And if you don't have that going forward, everybody knows. Yeah. It's gonna come out. It's at some gonna point. come out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's, uh, you know, that that relationship building, you know. And, you know, that's, and our faith, I mean, that's our biggest thing right there. Yeah. I mean, Brad's dad was a pastor of a church in Great Falls, Montana, and, and Brad, I remember the first thing Brad asked me to do was come to youth group with him. <laughs> and That's awesome. That was an amazing thing. I was, I was living with my mother at the time, who was a single mom, and, and my dad was down here outside of Billings uh, running a ranch, and, and Man, that friendship and yeah, and that guidance and help. Yeah, you know his parents are like my second parents. There, that's parents. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, friends and family, you know. Yeah, that's what it is. Absolutely, I often try to help people see those analogies uh, between the way we can work with our horses and and better communication. Though I guess the way I put it is all relationships are are not going to be any better than the quality of communication they're based on and whether that's like you say honesty or mutual respect or just clarity you yes. know even, there's so much breakdown in relationships because of miscommunication or misunderstanding and there's no ill intent on either side but <clears throat> boy it can sure come unraveled quick you know and it's the same with the horse it's the same with the horse you, you know, a whole your lot horsemanship of, gets better and your yeah. communication with that horse gets better. It's all It's all relative. the same. It's all relative. And and uh, there's there's riders that may not want to go any further than where they're at as far as refinement or advancement, but 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 they still could improve their human relationships, you know, if they understand the principles and the quality of communication that those those relationships are based on. Mm-hmm. It can make a world of difference for them. So, Scott, when did you first start teaching clinics, and then sort of how did that sort of grow? Because I think you've, you've been to Europe as well, you know, and, uh, and of course we see uh, around the world, I think, uh, a renaissance, I guess you could say, of, of uh, I think particularly this style of riding and horsemanship and tradition, with the, the Bacchetto traditions and those sorts of things, following on the heels of the pursuit of better horsemanship that Tom and Ray and Buck have, have really um, perpetuated. Uh, and so the need for this kind of gear uh, or, or the interest in it, the interest in the history and the traditions and the roping and everything that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I found that in New Zealand and I was privileged and blessed, like yourself, blessed to be a part of that down there, um, just kind of bringing in that on the, on the cutting edge of that down there. So how did that sort of grow for you to, to be able to do that? on an, even an international level. That, uh, yeah, for, you know, it started in Oregon, and uh, that was back with my friend Joe Walter, too. Right. And uh, I think he, he couldn't come to a clinic out there or something or other, and, and someone mentioned my name, and so that all came around, and, and uh, you know, I went and did that clinic. And, right. And, and that all started once I did that first, uh, that was a roping clinic. Right. Traditional ranch open clinic, and 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 uh, I had helped uh, Joe at a couple clinics and stuff and things, and 
and uh, but you know I'd never done it on my own and stuff and things and and had that clinic. It was at a ranch, and there were several neighboring ranchers that came. Sure. So it was you know as far as being safe and things, it was we had good time and everybody stayed safe. And <laughs> it wasn't like a beginner's ranch real thing. Right. Right. So we got to. Uh, practice some stuff, work on some things, and and then from there, uh, a na- another neighboring rancher says, "Well, I'd love to have you at my place," and and then it just snowballed from there. You right. know, it just snowballed, and uh, um, about my third clinic, second or third clinic I ever did, there was this guy showed up, and he unloaded his horse and saddled him up, and he started riding him, and I was like, "Wow," <laughs> and it was Richard Caldwell. Wow. And he was come to one of my roping clinics and he was riding um, he was riding his horse in a hackamore and, and I mean he just looked like he was floating around and and then, you know, we we started roping and stuff and things and Richard I'm like, What is this guy doing here? But then he wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to work on his roping of course. Yeah. And uh, and so he did and then then I started picking his brain on on a bunch of other stuff that he was doing, yeah, and uh, you know, I was I I really encouraged Richard to start. Uh, we became good friends. Richard and I became good friends, and he became he came to several clinics and and brought his uh, his grandkids to some and and his uh, family to him and stuff and things. I got to be really good friends with Richard and and really uh, I really encouraged Richard to share his knowledge right with uh, with with other people and stuff and kind yeah. of his health his health his health kind of directed him in that direction too you know Richard mm-hmm. was having back problems and stuff at the time and yeah and he couldn't shoe horses like he was and yeah and things of that sort so the clinics became something that he was willing to take on that avenue too right and with that Richard's with with my gear business Richard sold Rope for me right. uh, at his clinics and yeah. and gear for us and, okay. and he sell a lot of stuff for me and and but it wasn't like he was a, a sponsor of mine or anything like that. Sure, we just, just had a, mutual yeah. we just had mutual uh, you know respect for each other and helped each other out. Yeah, and you know before Richard's passing, I mean we we were good friends. We'd talk at least once a week, if not more. Yeah, you know. Bouncing yeah. ideas off each other and things yeah. like that. And, That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was awesome, and, and uh, miss him. Yeah, boy, what what a, what a loss. Yeah, absolutely. I like I mentioned before, I came to that clinic there um, at your dad's place, and and uh, really just turned on the lights for me at another level. Um, I had been starting colts and and um, doing a lot of riding for for a long time uh, and I, and I, but I didn't understand the hackamore mm-hmm. I hadn't been exposed to the hackamore much before that and so that really really changed things for me sort of like you're saying when you saw him riding at your clinic and, and doing stuff in the hackamore and stuff and that has become a real passion of mine ever since then uh, to learn as much as I can about that and and you know the developing of the bridal horse the uh it was one of those clinics in Oregon that um, you were asking about uh, how I got to doing stuff overseas. That's right. Uh, uh, golly, it's been a lot of years ago, but I was doing a clinic at the Amzi Ranch, John and Jerry Hyde's place there, Chilliquin, Oregon. And uh, there was this lady from Switzerland, Susie Giesler. Okay. And Susie wanted to uh, buy a spot in the clinic for her husband. And he wanted to come to one of my clinics. And I was like, well, I'm not going to Switzerland anytime soon. So, <laughs> you know, you might, I'm having this one coming up in Oregon. And so she bought it. She bought a spot in that clinic and sent and bought a ticket for her husband. Wow. And he came over and, and borrowed a horse from, um, right. from the Amzi ranch. And, yeah. and Walter took that clinic and, and that started a, a friendship with Walter and I, and then that spring Susie came over, and from that point on, Walter and Susie both would, I, you know, they'd fly over here three, four, or five times a year, wow. and Walter would come help me, and 
Yeah. They helped me with clinics and helped me around my place and helped me with going to shows with Bucker Business. And, right. And cool. then that started, uh, uh, Susie, his wife Susie and Walter both uh, managed my clinics in Europe. Right. So with that, then they started hosting clinics over there and that that spread throughout Europe and then uh, uh, Antoine Clouse over there in France. Yep. Uh, Antoine and his wife Maude host the clinics or organize the ones in France and Normandy. Right. And just fantastic folks. And they've got Antoine, uh, we provide him with gear over there too. He's got sure. a little shop in his facility there. And yeah. It's just been great to, uh, it's such a small world in in niche niche industries and the horse industry is probably yeah. the closest knit worldwide yeah I mean, everybody's um, it's just really interesting how we can all help each other it's it's well, neat and even then walter and susie create leather workers and so they you know have been building you know stuff for us you right know, and how that you know, like where Scott said, a lot of most all of the stuff came from the friendships and and right. and everything and, and yeah, yeah, know, helping each other out. And exactly, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's amazing. I guess you know, it's one thing for you know, like us to get together and and we're American and we share a common culture and a common passion and stuff, and it's just it's so cool to to be able to. To, to do that and, and, and share camaraderie, you know, on a ranch or at a branding and stuff. That's, that's, I think a huge part of keeping the traditions, you know, but it's also cool to, to find people in France or Switzerland or mm -hmm. the Czech Republic or New Zealand who maybe don't come from that culture, but share that passion, love the history, uh, love the tradition, love the horses and the horsemanship. Yeah. And to be able to have that camaraderie, I think, is is really cool. Yeah. And I'd always get a kick out of looking at the pictures of his clinics in, in Switzerland and stuff. And if you didn't know, you thought it was down in Nevada somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. it was yeah. these people hungering for that and yeah. everything. It was really neat it you know, is. to see. Yeah. What, what was good for me to do and have have done those clinics in Europe and stuff is, is that the horses are the same everywhere. Yes, sir. Horses are the same everywhere. The problems people have with their horses aren't the problem, aren't the horses problems, the problems we have and they're, they're worldwide. Yes. And so, you know, and it's, it just, it just shows you that our nations and our, our governments and things like that. I mean, if Problems are worldwide, so we got to figure out how to work together, <laughs> and uh, and that's with our horses too. Absolutely. It's been so cool to ride those, you know, the the Freibergers and the different horses, the warm bloods over there, and different things. That, Absolutely, that's not necessarily you get to ride over here in the U.S. You know, absolutely. But then they've gotten fantastic breeding over there. You know, it's not it's not like it used to be in Europe. Uh, you know, and even though the old war horse and those things of long ago over there but all those cultures were not they were not horse cultures right and so you know it's been a new introduced thing to their society with a, the pleasure horse right or then the cow horse or those things so they don't have the you know they were mainly herdsmen and walked around behind them and things right. like that you know yeah uh, very different cultures. very different cultures then it's what makes the it's what makes the u.s and this continent so so different Absolutely. But even that influence coming over, because if you probably look like there and even in America, the horse was a tool. Yeah. You know, it wasn't Absolutely. something to be taken further and, and yeah. to what can happen when you do take there was, it further. There was different philosophies on that. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, the Spanish kind of developed, like what Scott was saying earlier about... Um, desire to develop the horse and the partnership with the horse using the cows and the roping and the job to do that. Whereas I think the Anglos came coming into Texas and that had sort of a different focus as far as getting, just getting that job done. And, and they had wild cattle and wild horses and it was a little bit hairier at times. And the vaquero was, was more 
looking for refinement. Not that it wasn't wild in those days, rope and grizzlies and everything else that went in with it, but a different mindset perhaps. Um, but the, the, the truth is you can still have that focus on that history and tradition. And, and I've found people, like you're saying, um, in Europe, I found people in New Zealand who, again, weren't born into that culture, but share that same passion for the, uh, the history that we've had here and, and back into Spain and, and those sorts of horse cultures um, and the gear and the horsemanship that goes into that. We were um, privileged to help produce um, the New Zealand Vaquero Gathering for about three years uh, with a, a gear maker down there who makes Makati's. Um, and we worked together with her for about three years to, to put together the only New Zealand vaquero gathering down there, you know, and we'd get people together. And, and of course, down there, it's, it's um, very introductory, right? Like you've got folks come along that are just like, well, what's this? Right. Um, and then you've got other folks who have been doing some research and they're, and they're interested and they've, they've um, you know, maybe seen your stuff or, or they've been to one of Buck's clinics or, or whatever it might, might be. But uh, even that, in that place, was it was really cool to get a small bunch of people together, 20, 30, 40 people, who shared a passion for, for the horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Brad, um, almost three years since uh, we've been here and mm-hmm. seen, seen the shop and, and what you guys are doing here at the, at the store. And uh, I visited with you last spring and, and I was just amazed with what, what you guys have been doing. So... Maybe just sort of fill, fill us in on, on your expansion and kind of different items that you've got here and, and how things are going with the store. Yeah, they're, you know, continually growing and, uh, you know, trying to just fill everything from A to Z. Yeah. Because there are yes. so many different people at so many different, you know, levels and wanting all of those to know hey, I can come here. Right. Where, you know, that this is where you want to come. This is the you place. Know, uh, customer service has been, you know, a, a huge part, uh, you know, of what our goal is. Absolutely. You know, as, as far as every person, they come in and, and feel comfortable and can can ask questions, exactly. can, yeah. you know, learn or do whatever, um, you know, we spend, there's many a days, I mean, we might spend 45 minutes on the phone talking Just, to yeah. a customer and, the, and we'll hear, boy, you know, I tried, I, I called here, I called there and yeah. they really didn't, you know, help me help much. Me. <laughs> and, you know, and so that's ours. If it takes 45 minutes. Yeah. Trying to help somebody, yeah. you know, to figure out what rope, and usually that's a rope question. Sure. You know? Yeah. And and to help guide them and and make a friend. Yep. I mean that's yep. always been my goal number one, is to make a friend. Yeah. Um, you know, and in through that, you know, and in the business, it, it pays off because then people, hey, if they have a question, they're like, know who to call, call here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They'll exactly. take the time and help you and. You know, and we've seen that just continue to grow. You know, we opened up. It's three years this month that we, the last part there in the front that we opened up. And uh, it was neat. I forget where Scott was. And he'd call every day. And so we got it open. And we're trying to figure out at the start, boy, what are we going to fill this what room with? What into that new room? You know, yeah. and, and yeah. really the only long. thing we added was, you know, carrying Saratelli felt hats. Right. Um, but he'd call and he, I'd go, well, we moved this from here and there, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, it was amazing how it filled up. But then, you know, being able to portray everything well. That Christmas, yeah. I just remember people saying, when did you get this? Right. And I'm like, we always had it, but, they but being it. able to expand and display yeah. the products and open stuff up, exactly, you know, was huge. Uh, there, uh, you know, that that just been fun, and and now we're, you know, we need another room. 
Well, that's probably a good problem to have. And, yeah. you know, being expanding products, uh, you know, number one thing, and, you know, that's Scott's main thing, you know, and which becomes mine, you know, too, yeah. is quality yeah. is number one. Absolutely. Um, and the next thing, you know, in that is then, you know, how do we get best quality, best price? You yeah. know, for people. Affordability. It, you know, and for people, this store was built on the working guy. Yeah. Um, and Scott's never forgot that, you know, and, and it's been a thing where, yeah, we, you know, yeah, we want those guys to be able to still come in their hard-earned money, yeah. you know, that they worked their tail off for, and could come in and just get good quality, yeah, you know, and, and all the things, something that they can afford. might not be as fancy, but the fan, you know, and just provide that wide that. range. Yeah. And that's, I love that, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I have more fun, like, on saddle orders, and especially a younger guy. It's sure. like... Their first, first custom, custom saddle. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they're like, man, I'm sorry we took two hours. And I'm like, I'm not. I mean, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, you it's know, important. It's, um, it's it important. is. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. you're spending hard-earned money. Yeah. You know, granted. But that so, same person then, Brad will say, oh, you know what? That That's the third saddle order we've gotten from that guy, or the fourth or fifth. Yeah. And there's a lot of those, you know. Yeah. And so... You know, taking that time and and them knowing that they have a relationship here, and we're looking out for them. Absolutely, and we're going to be here for them. That's the main thing, and that's that's one thing. I that's the thing. You know, there's not too many businesses out there like ours, if any, as far as what we're doing. Yeah, and uh, and taking that time, and and we're going to be here for them. Yeah, uh, we're not going anywhere, and we're we're going to be here for for them and, and hopefully for generation to come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great thing I, I love about the team here at Buckaroo Businesses. We've got you know, we've got several people working here. Brad's the manager, oversees everything the day and day day and day in and out. And uh, actually his son Riley is gonna be going to college here shortly, but he's been working full time and he's cool. busy shipping stuff and he's yeah. Tying rope and helps uh, Rich Lafromboy. He runs my rope shop, and we wax the cottons out there. And, yeah. and uh, so, um, you know, Rich has been a longtime family friend and friend of my dad's and friend of mine, and helps out with shows. But he runs, he heads the rope end of the thing up. Right. And uh, and and from Jessica, Jessica, we've been. She's, she, Close uh, to three years, just very fortunate. Yeah, and her mom works here part time too, and and Megan on the weekends she she worked here through college and now she's a full time nurse. She still wants to work at Buckley <laughs> Businesses. It's like it's awesome. I don't have to work here. She goes, I love it here, and and that's the thing, the relationships. Absolutely, he, he, people yep. love the relationships you build here. So the clientele coming in here is not your typical. Uh, I mean, it's just we're 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 blessed to be working in the field we're working in. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so that's what makes it that's what makes it worthwhile and rewarding. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's probably true in most settings, business or or family or whatever whatever it is, the culture, you know, mm-hmm. and whether whether you've intentionally developed that or you just know you have those values and you, you perpetuate that culture and then you attract those people and you develop those relationships that are based on that mutual respect and honesty that we've been talking about. And, uh, and then it's a win-win for everybody and it is rewarding. It is for, for, for everybody, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I just think it's an awesome thing. I know for, for us in our business, um, the students, the clients, by and large, fantastic people, mm-hmm. right? And then the ones that keep coming back or the ones that keep sending me horses or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. they become friends. They, you know, just good people, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and good relationships. 
Um, that's, that's so cool. And I know in working with you guys, it's been the same. We've, we've just always really valued that working partnership that we've got. And there's times when I'll be talking sort of like you, messaging back and forth with somebody for half of a day, you know, telling them about how to fit a bozal or, you know, which hanger they ought to get or, you know, just questions because they just don't know what they're looking at, but they know they want to head that direction. I, and I, I point them to you guys. You know, um, even even after we stopped importing gear and it just got to be way too much for for what we were doing down there, um, we we kept directing people your way when they were looking for something and and kept educating and, and taking the time to um, help people understand what they needed to be looking for. And that's the hard work paying off. You know, I I've seen in the time I've been here, <clears throat> like like start. You know, at first it really amazed me. People would call and order a four, five, six thousand dollar saddle over the phone, and learning how to do that. But then realizing, you know, because of your hard work and what and and what you do, that that's possible. Right. Because this person feels comfortable enough to do that. And that's always said a lot to me. That sure. that's you know, yeah, they trust me enough. You know, and to do this yeah. without being here but they know that what they're going to get is is what they want and you know they'll think oh it's better than I expected that's what I always want to hear yeah um, yeah absolutely you know when they when they see it it's more than they expected and and uh, you know they're like thank you and I'm like no thank you you yeah. know yeah. for having the trust in us yeah too because that's a big investment yeah for a lot of people absolutely and it's just really neat absolutely now scott you had mentioned um you know what you've got established here and the people that you you're working with you know and 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 even hoping you know that this will be here for generations to come what is your what is your vision with that what what do you see with your your store and your and your your gear here, but also Buckaroo businesses. So there's multiple avenues there. What's what's your long-term vision with that? Well, I I think that you know I just I want to keep. I I've had chances. I've had opportunities. Uh, I, and when you asked me that, it just something that just popped into my heart here, my mind was uh, opportunities that I've had along the way. To change the course of Bucker businesses, mm-hmm. and I've had uh, opportunities with investors and big-time business people that were that had manufacturing all over the world, and, sure. and things, and they and some of them are involved in the horse world. Some of them, some of them created horse personalities and horse people that are big-time, big-time in the world now on on the. You know, Cowboy Channel and RFD TV and things, and they approached me about uh, becoming partners with Buckaroo Businesses and and having me be uh, uh, having me be their clinician and, and having me then partner up with their manufacturing. Right. And they said, if you're gonna if you can make this much money, why don't you want to make that much money? Right. We can take you to a level that you can't even imagine. Right. And I've had sat down with these folks, and and you know what? At the end of the day, I wanted to keep Buckaroo businesses. I had to look in the mirror and know that the people that have made Buckaroo businesses is, like Brad said, that working guy that knew yeah. that it was the quality, that knew yeah. that that's what it was. And so uh, I just want to, I, I guess the future is more of the same. Yeah, I want to keep it. I want to keep it real. Yeah, and I want to provide the best um, products we can provide. And if there's more locations or more of this or that or whatever that might be, uh, you know, thought of different things there too. But uh, I guess the best the best way to look at it is, and you know, that's enticing when someone entices you sure. to do that. Sure. But I would have sold out, and I my friends wouldn't be looking at me in the same light. And I couldn't look <laughs> at myself in the mirror Absolutely. the same way. So yeah. uh, to hold true to your core values in whatever you're doing, uh, that's that's where we want to be at. 
Absolutely. And that's, that's the direction we're going to continue going. And that, and that will keep you on that trajectory. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, that really resonates with me. You know, I've had, I don't know how many people ask me about merchandise. Where can I get my True West Horsemanship t-shirt or ball cap or coffee mug? And, and it was not very far into our journey where I was like, you know what, that doesn't serve a purpose in my mind. My mission is to help people and their horses achieve more together and to understand one another better. And I don't see how a ball cap does that. I don't mm-hmm. see how a t-shirt, you know, helps that person with their horse mm-hmm. or that horse with that person. Mm-hmm. And so I've just drawn the line. I don't have merchandise. I don't have all that paraphernalia. Other people do. That's fine. That's up to them. That's that's their business. But for me, it didn't fit with, like what you're saying, the values of, of where I wanted to head. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate what you're saying there. And, and I think that that brings direction to us and helps us make those decisions. Like you say, when you sat down with folks like that, uh, because you were committed to your values, you knew which direction you wanted to head with that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So for folks that uh, may not know, where can people find you online or social media handles so that they can find out more about uh, what, what, we're, what we're talking about here? Brad? Basically, you know, go to Buckaroo Businesses, plural, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, dot com yeah. and on our website. Um, you know, on there, there's a lot of the, you know, a lot of our stuff that's on there. I always tell people, feel free to call. If they're old school like me, you know, <laughs> I might, if I have the opportunity, if I can see it there. Yeah. But I just soon call. You know, sure. we, we spend many hours sending pictures, you know, yeah. uh, of stuff. And, yeah. you know. Hey, we got this option, so you can order online anytime. We've made that pretty darn easy. Yeah. For people, call, order over the phone. Yeah. Um, and then it's always neat when you know you'll get to know a customer. You know they'll order online or call, and and they finally get to come to the store. Yeah. You know here in Billings. Yeah. And and they're like, wow, you know, I I can't believe that you know. And then Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Facebook, we, we're not huge, we don't, uh, you know, with the time we have allotted to us here, and, and like Brad said, the time we spend with the customers, the day in, day, day in and day out, we don't do a lot of social media because yeah. uh, we spend time with getting the job done here, Yeah. and, uh, you know, social media has its place, and I understand that, and, and we need to do be better at it mm-hmm. there. It takes a business. lot of time. It takes a lot work. of time. It does. But it, uh, we're going to be getting there. We're going to be doing some things. We have a lot of ideas there too. Uh, but, um, but our our number one goal is make sure that customers taken care of, and, and yep. that's that's where our day spent. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And uh, yeah. yeah. In some ways. And then also, you know, check us out for a show near you and stuff. We don't do as many shows as we used to because once again, we're day in and day out to ask her grown so much but yeah. we will be at the national finals rodeo in las vegas coming up Very at good. Uh, the cowboy marketplace at manley bay and we actually are booth number 613 we've got a big uh we got a big 20 by 20 nice. end cap booth. we're gonna have a cool new booth this year <laughs> so everybody's gotta come check, check it out yeah come by i'm excited businesses. that's cool come by bucker businesses at manley bay during the nfr and say hi Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we love it when people. Uh, we had some. We had two couples in yesterday. We've been in your booth in Vegas all the time. Never been in your store. Right. And we we hear that a lot. You yeah. Know? We see you in Red Bluff. We see you uh, here or there. You know. Yeah. We or, and then the Californios. We had a booth at the Californios. <coughs> Gwen was putting that on, and yeah. and uh, and that was, you know, we have people come in the store and say, hey, we haven't seen you since your booth and at. Californios and yeah. stuff like that. So it's it was fun the the one year that they canceled the NFR. Yeah. And what year was it? Twenty in COVID, but twenty twenty. Yeah. And we had quite a number of people that did a vacation so at that same time <laughs> they and they came, came into Billings came to and Billings. we were like, 
well, we couldn't go there. And we, you know, like, well, let's take a vacation and we'll nice. come here and come to the store. That yeah. was really that's some cool. of our best customers. They they just came to the store instead of going to Vegas, so because it wasn't <laughs> happening. Yeah, and that's pretty. That was pretty spectacular. Absolutely, that says that says yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I sure appreciate you taking some time to sit down with me and uh, share some of your stories and, and what you're you. doing. Uh, like like I said, it's been a pleasure always working with you, and I look forward to it in the future as well. So, Well, thank you, Ben, and thanks for promoting our gear and always pointing people in our direction. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.